Hello again, everybody. It is time once again for the Mainland Podcast, and this is episode number 260. I'm Michael Citro, the founder and managing editor of the Mainland.com, the SB Nation, SB Nation, SB Nation website uh, that covers Orlando City, the Orlando Pride, and all things soccer-related in the city beautiful. I'm joined, as always, from Tallahassee, coming to you live, the birthday boy, David Rowe. Dave, how you doing? Uh, well, good, considering I'm a year older now that it's a, a day later. But uh, no, all, all is good. My dedication evident to this podcast that here we are on my birthday. Podcasting <laughs> actually, on your birthday. It actually worked out well by... One of my sons was had better availability last night, so we went and did the you know the family dinner thing last night instead. So it, it all worked out. That's good. Yeah, I will probably be podcasting on my birthday in a couple of weeks. So <laughs> <laughs> all I want for my birthday is for some of our listeners to come and write for the mainland. So if you're out there and uh, you can talk about soccer and you love talking about soccer and telling everybody your thoughts and opinions on soccer, you can do that in written form just by typing a little bit and uh, and be on the with us on the mainland. So um, hit us up at the mainland at gmail.com. Go to the mainland.com and find our post about joining the mainland. And uh, there's some ideas there for, you know, if you're not sure what you can do, well, there's some ideas there. And you can even propose something that we haven't even thought of yet because that's, that's how we are, man. We're always looking for something new, looking for something different. You got everybody's, yeah, everybody's got a different type of voice. You know, we we want to hear what you have to say. If you think you got what it takes, show us. Show us you got what it takes. And believe me, if we got it what it takes, you probably got what it takes. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the, the standards are not set yeah. on, you know, unreasonable, uh, right. at an unreasonable height. So, yeah, I guess we're um, we're presupposing there. uh assuming that we do have what it takes and we, we're not really we're not it's not really for us to say so anyway dave we have two games to talk about from an orlando city perspective because that's what the soccer gods do to us in the summer the lions went to nashville in the midweek it was the day that our last podcast dropped the day after we recorded last week and uh, this was a place well not a lot of teams win in fact nobody's won in nashville except nashville all season long. So uh, it was an important game from the perspective that the Lions had a game in hand, but they were a point behind Nashville. So needed to at least get something from the game to uh, to make sure that they kept pace and uh, they go into that game. And it's a pretty, you know, tight game. We expected it to be a tight game and uh, just, you know, one of those things where other teams scored first and you're going, well, <laughs> yeah, it was a the thought. Oh no, this could get ugly. Uh, was going through my head after the first twenty minutes or so, and how the two teams were playing. So mm-hmm. it was. Uh, I, I was. I was a bit worried at that point. Yeah, it was a lot of p- decent possession for Orlando City. They just weren't able to kind of come up with a final way through that defense. It was a lot of slow moving passes slow, deliberate movement, and a very slow play that caused the first goal of Joao Moutinho. Uh, rather than lumping a nice cross into the box and seeing what happens with, you know, I don't know, eight, nine of his teammates up in the box, uh, decided, I think maybe I'll just pass it back to one of my center backs. 
you know, from out here in space with no one pressuring me. But I'm not just going to do that. I'm going to first look at them. I'm going to maybe wave at them, say, hey, let them know, hey, I'm, I'm going to pass you this ball in a minute. So get ready for it. Please send them an email. And then I'm going to slowly roll it back to you. And then the other team's going to break the other way 2v2 because, oh, yeah, that's right. They were watching the whole thing and they saw what was going to happen. I saw what was going to happen from my couch. So I'm pretty sure that uh, CJ Sapong and, and Hani Mukhtar probably, they probably felt pretty good about what was going to happen. And and uh, that uh, bore out with a steal and a 2v2 break. Uh, Antonio Carlos went down early to try to break that thing up without a shot. He just missed getting the ball before it was passed. And mm-hmm. uh, that allowed the opening that uh, Nashville needed beat Mason Stadahar, uh, no fault of Mason's. And it was one nothing in the 23rd minute. And, of course, it's C.J. Sapong, because when does C.J. Sapong not score against Orlando? Well, never. He never does never, not always. score against Orlando. <laughs> Every single stinking time. He could be 80, come out of retirement, and come in, uh, sub in and stoppage time, and he'd still score a goal against Orlando. Correct, in a wheelchair. Yeah, something would happen. The ball would just bounce off his head and go in, and it would be a C.J. Sapong goal. So it was one nothing, and things were terrible, and they would never be good again. Uh, but there was a lot of games still left to be played. So uh, the Lions did come into the game a little bit after that, um, but it still just didn't look like it was going to happen. And then finally, it did happen because Yay. Orlando's got this guy. He's kind of tall. He's kind of big. He's uh, he's getting very confident in the air, and his name is Antonio Carlos, and he goes and scores with the header in the 58th minute. And Dave, this time, he didn't get knocked the hell out while the ball was in flight. He actually saw his goal go in and got to celebrate it. That was a big improvement from the last time that he scored a goal, I must say. It's, uh, it's good to see him conscious after scoring a goal, and uh, you know you, you can enjoy it more that way. Yeah, I think so. So Antonio scored in uh, against Inter Miami on August fourth. Scored again on the eighteenth at Nashville, and it was one one. And that was all the scoring, Dave. There was there were some chances each way, and Nashville started to throw some numbers forward at the end, trying to really go for the win. It looked like Orlando was trying to go for the win until about ten minutes to go, and then they said, "Yeah, we got a point on the road. We're feeling pretty good. We got some guys. We got to get off, and we don't have a lot of subs, so we actually have to change our shape. But maybe we can get something on the counter." And to do that, they put the fastest guy on the team at forward, and he's not a forward, but Juan was playing forward in this game. Hey, why not? I mean. You, you've got more defensive players and offensive players at this point anyway. Might as well stick one of those defensive players out there. Not the first time they've done something like that. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, it was a 1-1 draw. Not a bad result to get at Nashville. It wasn't it wasn't a great game for the Lions. It was the third straight 1-1 draw. Uh, I did ask Oscar after the game. I said, you know, it, it just seems like, Maybe things were a little slow, a little deliberate. Not a lot of one-touch passing. It seemed like the few times that they did try some one-touch passing, they were able to to break some lines with Nashville and, and have some success going forward. And he agreed. He said, yeah, things do need to be a little bit more urgent, a little bit more assured, knowing where you're going, do that one-touch passing. Sometimes on the road, teams 
don't want to try a one touch pass and turn that you know turn the ball over and of course we saw what happened with a with a turnover earlier in the game but that was a very deliberate slow play it was you know i mean could hardly have been any worse if it was a one touch pass right yeah it was frustrating especially in the early part of the match it seemed like and it's almost a good thing they weren't doing one touch passing because their first touch was really bad for the first 15 minutes. I, and I mean everybody, including, you know, Van der Vader, who is normally the kind of guy who is able to handle those balls. And it just seemed like nobody was able to, you know, have a good touch. Should be mentioned that Nani did not make the trip for this game. Uh, he was he was uh, questionable. He did not make the trip. Uh, also listed as questionable was Mauricio Pereira, who did make the trip. And I uh, believe it was uh, Magic Mo with the, uh, with the cross that Antonio Carlos got onto. Mm-hmm. It was indeed. Another assist for Mo. So uh one one and Dave, do you have a man of the match for the Nashville yeah, game? Absolutely. I'm gonna give it to the man who stayed uh stayed awake the whole time this time, Antonio Carlos. Obviously he had the equalizer, but he also played pretty well on defense. Um we're talking about a guy that should be out on the west coast right now because he should have been included in the all star game, but uh is not the case, but at least he gets a man of the match from me. So there you go, AC. I will echo your AC for MVP of this match and, uh, and call him my MOTM. It's a lot of uh, initials, but uh, I think you can follow along. It's not that difficult. I'm I'm extremely tired tonight, so if if I can keep up with me, you should be able to keep up with me. And, uh, yeah, it's unanimous for Antonio Carlos. So uh, we are... In agreement, in lockstep for this uh, Nashville draw. An important draw. Again, nobody has won there except Nashville, and it kept Orlando within a point of Nashville, which was important because Nashville was off on the weekend, and Orlando was going to make up that game in hand. Indeed, and and going into that Nashville match, you could see our confidence level since we both predicted a loss. Mm -hmm. Uh, You had a 2-1 loss, I had 1-0 loss, so we were both wrong happily. Yeah, we were both... Just a little off. I was off by one Nashville goal, and you were off by one Orlando City goal. Correct. All right, so the team returned home for a Saturday night special against the Chicago Fire. And Dave, weird things happen when the Chicago Fire come to Orlando City. And this was no different as we had a 45-minute lightning delay to start the game, and rain fell throughout the match. Uh, we had some very strange uh, plays in the game, including, uh, I mean, I thought Orlando City played pretty well in the first half, but just couldn't get that final ball right to get the ball in the net. Mm-hmm. Um, they had an, a, another shot off the freaking woodwork, which didn't mention that Tesho did hit the crossbar and, and, and almost won the game at Nashville. Uh, hit the crossbar, came off, no goal. Early in this game, Sylvester Vandervater hits the left post. It kicks right back across the front of goal, and of course stays out. So we don't we don't like the woodwork. We've never liked the woodwork. We think the woodwork is a great big giant jerk. It typically is a big giant jerk that works against us, and thus has earned our ire. I think that um, probably, I'm guessing that Don Garber did something to our. Our goals, the goal that Orlando will attack has been widened, thickened, so that there's more crossbar and more post. Um, 
pro referees have a little uh, microchip in the ball. They're steering the ball toward the post, toward the crossbar, if it looks like it's going in. Yep. All of that stuff is going on. Shenanigans, I declare. But, uh, yeah, so it stayed nil-nil for quite a while, and it looked like maybe Orlando City would get a nice free kick outside the area and be up a man when Mauricio Pineda decided he wanted to tug on Tesho Akindele's shirt and pull him down just outside the box in the first half as he had uh, looked to be you know, getting forward in the attack and might have had a clear-cut chance on goal. The referee went to the monitor, and Timothy Ford... He's not a Ferrari. Uh, no. He determined that he did not make a mistake when he said no denial of a goal-scoring opportunity. So Chicago kept their man, uh, their 11 men on the pitch, no free kick, and we played on. And uh, then, you know, we went to the half scoreless in a game that was uh, really largely played between the two penalty areas. And I think the weather played a pretty good factor. The fatigue played a factor. Both teams had played in the midweek. And uh, nobody was really finding that that last bit of skill to to break through, um, and uh, you know it was uh, nil nil at the break, and then we go to the second half, and there's a, it just was a good night for the homegrowns because this was an opportunity for uh, Benji Michelle to get the game's first goal, and boy did he! This was a little bit I think of maybe retribution or karma or ball don't lie, whatever you want to call it, but uh, that same guy, Pineda, came forward with the ball, and Tesho Akindele very deftly stepped up uh, from behind and poked the ball away to Benji Michel, and Benji Michel took about a dribble and a half toward the uh, box, smashed a shot just inside the left post, made it one nothing in the 51st minute. Redemption indeed for Tesho on that one, and had to feel good, and it felt good for the rest of us going up a goal, you know, this was a match that uh, Orlando City, like you said, you know, game in hand on on Nashville, and, and if you can get those points, it's going to be important to go up a goal at home. You, you feel pretty good about that. Yeah, and Orlando really kind of tried to get that that second goal and double that lead the next 15 minutes or so. I thought that the Lions did a good job of getting forward, creating some opportunities, getting some. They got some shots. They just went over. They had they earned some corners. Then as the game wore out, uh, wore down, down the stretch, and Orlando started to get a little bit tired and, and maybe sag back a little bit, and Chicago pressing, put, putting numbers forward, uh, bringing on some fresh troops at the end offensively and uh, going for the win. And uh, it, was, it was kind of all hands on deck defending the last 10 minutes and, and uh, you know, a couple nice plays by Mason Stadohar. So there's your, your second homegrown who is uh, – contributing and uh, and also we got to see our first glimpse of Raul Aguilera Jr. Yep. homegrown midfielder he got his first MLS appearance should mention that Mauricio Pereira did not dress for this game and I think that was probably planned uh also should mention that Nani had to come off the field at the 30 minute mark um no contact but uh you know he just couldn't couldn't go any further and the uh the conditions I think probably smart for the coaching staff to pull him off and Although, you know, he still was uh, on the all-star roster, so go figure. Yeah, yeah. I I think Nani coming off, the at least from what I, I heard, was, uh, yeah, he couldn't go on, but it was, it was somewhat of a precautionary, you know, not going to push it and, you know, rest, go ahead and rest him. Mm-hmm. So, 
it it did uh it did make you think um the attack would suffer but of course it was after that that we got the goal so yeah it was not um it was not ideal because you would like to get to the half and then not use one of those three stoppages for your your substitutions um, mm-hmm. But unfortunately, you know, Nani must have felt some tightness and decided, yeah, you know, I better I better make a uh, make a signal to the bench that I need to come off before halftime. So, so he did. Uh, we have also not seen Andres Perea for two games. Uh, we did not get an explanation. He was not on the availability report. So we did ask after the game, uh, after the Chicago game, and was told uh, we were told. Uh, by Oscar Preja that uh, Andres also has had some tightness. He didn't really specify it. I don't believe he specified what body part, but uh, um, just hadn't been able to uh, to to get fully fit to get back in the match. So he's been out, which is why we saw Joey Desart with a couple of starts. And, uh, and I, I will say Joey didn't play great in the first game against Nashville. Uh, a little bit of a liability at times in that game. But I think he played much better in the Chicago game. I think he started slowly in the Chicago game, but I think he's, he came on nicely. Like after about 12 or 15 minutes, you didn't start looking, oh God, the ball's coming to Joey. Joey actually made some nice plays in that game, and he made some nice turns and dribbles with the ball that opened up space. And that's something that's great to see a young player do because that's that tells me that he's getting more comfortable He's getting the speed of the game down, and he's not playing scared. Exactly, as you mentioned in that first match at Nashville, he was he was not sharp, uh, to say the least. And you see him at the starting lineup, you know, for the next game, and you, you got that little thing in the pit of your stomach going, I don't know, this is such a good idea, but uh, he did play himself into. The match, and actually, I think probably had his best match uh, in purple so far. Yeah, I would agree agree with that. Uh, great save uh, in the second half, uh, as the second half was starting to wind down on on Robert Barrich that uh, Mason made. He also had a nice, good reaction on a corner kick that came flying at him, uh, punching that thing away. And, and in that kind of weather, it's not easy to make the routine save. The routine saves are never routine in that kind of, with that kind of water. Um, on the ball and on the pitch and on your gloves. So it was good to see Mason. He got his, uh, you know, the Lions held on for the one nothing win, and Mason got his first MLS shutout. Aguilera gets his first MLS appearance. Uh, homegrown Benji gets the goal. This is a great night for the academy, Dave. It really was. Uh, you'll love to see it, especially with all of the other big names out right now. These are the kinds of performances you need from the guys that are behind them. Um, you know, when Pedro's not there, stadahar has got to have a good match. If Nani's coming off the field, Benji's got to score the goals. So, I mean, this, these are the things that need to happen for this club to, you know, make the playoffs and make a decent run in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It should be mentioned that Pedro Galese made the bench for this game, but oddly he didn't come out and take warm-ups at the start of the game. It was Adam Grinwis out there with – our, our good friend uh, Mason Staduhar. So Staduhar and Grinwis out there together. And we were wondering, what is going on? But we were told, yeah, Gilles is on the bench, uh, but he's not out there warming up. And sure enough, he came out when the teams came out. He came out with the substitutes and sat the bench. So, uh, And there was a scary moment in this game where Mason came to the top of his box and punched the ball away and took a, a head to the gut. And we were thought, oh, no. 
Uh, and the reason we thought, oh no, is because at that point, Orlando had made all of its substitutes uh, that it could make because of the three stops in play. And I said, ah, but at least Schlegel's out there. It's not a big deal. Right, yeah. I mean, there's other teams have to worry about that type of thing. Yeah. Orlando City does not. Yeah. We would have been in trouble if Schlegel hadn't been subbed on, but he had, so it was fine. Correct. It was fine either way. And by the way, uh, Adam Grinwis. Uh, I don't know if you're going to be able to hear this, Dave, but we had a, a we have a listener who did a wonderful thing, and we we just mentioned in passing, or I mentioned in passing, that it would be great to have a song, uh, maybe written for the Grinch's back. And, you know, maybe it could be done to the tune of The Bitches Back by Elton John. And I thought, yeah, okay. I, I said it in passing, nothing's going to happen. But something, Dave, has happened. You and mean we, we get good things in life? Yeah, somebody has decided that they would go ahead and make that uh, song and write the lyrics and record the song. And I was kind of thinking when somebody would just go on to... Uh, Spotify and and get and grab the uh, you know the karaoke version, but this I, I think this person maybe played it. <laughs> I you did let me listen to this before, even if I'm not going to be able to hear it right now. And I agree with you. That sounds like some keyboard action going on in the background. Yeah. So this is Lee Gavlik, and this is a very this is a podcast exclusive. <laughs> it's a world premiere. World uh, premiere. World premiere music here on the podcast. The Grinch is back. The lyrics are fantastic. And uh, I'm going to play it right now. So here we go. We had a ginger keeper number 99. When it came to cup time, we felt just fine. But the times are changing. City's back on track. And our backup's going to stun you because the Grinch is back. Start Pedro in the league, that's alright And we'll cheer for Mason when the time is right But he can win that cup match, plays real tall Get city by on certain evenings when his number is called Gavlik, thank you so much for the Grinch's back. Um, I think we need to probably drop these lyrics into the post because people really have to get a, a sense of how much uh, polish went into these, uh, into this. Yes. And you know, if people want to go ahead and and record new versions of this and, and rock it up a little bit and make it like the, the Elton John song, um, you know, we're not going to stop you because uh, this is pretty awesome. That was that was fantastic, and you love the effort, and, and thank you, Lee, for making Michael's wish come true. Yeah, the lyrics are great, and, um, you know, I was listening to the, I was, I did actually go on Spotify and, and find a, a karaoke version of of the Elton John song. They, they ha, It has backing vocals and everything, so it's kind of like some of the words won't match up because they're saying bitch is back and you're saying Grinch is back. But I think if you're, if the, if it's like the lead singer would, would kind of 
cloud the fact that they're not saying Grinch. Or well, you get some backup <laughs> singers of your yeah. own, yeah. to do the backup parts, and then yeah. there you go. Yeah, exactly. So um, that's the next challenge. So who's going to take that to the next level? Uh, that's what I want to know. All right, Dave. Uh, one nothing win. The Lions are unbeaten in their last five regular season matches. Two wins and three draws. Finally broke that one one draw streak, and they they broke their draw streak in a much better way than Richmond did, AFC Richmond did, at the beginning of Season 2 of Ted Lasso. They actually got the win to break the streak of ties. And uh, and now here we are uh, going into rivalry week against Inter-Miami. But I need to know from you who your man of the match is. Yeah, so Antonio Carlos had a really good match uh, on defense, but I'm going to give it to Mason Stadahar, clean sheet, uh, had some excellent saves and just got to go with one of those, uh, you know, homegrowns there. So Mason gets my man of the match. Okay. I can't fault that pick. It's a good pick. I'm going to give it to someone else, though. I'm going to give it to Tesho Akindele. I think that uh, he really showed out in this game in a lot of little ways that didn't always make the stat sheet. Some of them did. Uh, obviously, he had the, the hustle play that led to the goal. He created a chance earlier that probably should have been at least a free kick and possibly a sending off of a Chicago defender. And Mm -hmm. he made a lot of really great plays in his own end, even like on set pieces and stuff. Chicago was doing a lot of long throws and Tesho came back a lot for those plays and was heading balls out and, and, and clear making clearances and, and just did a lot of the little things and really made a lot of good hustle plays. And, um, it was funny because I asked uh, Oscar about that after the game and, and said, you know, uh, you know what, uh, you know, what Tesho did in this game a lot of the times goes uh, overlooked. Uh, is that is that really the key to making your system work is to have guys willing to do those little things that that Tesho did in this game? And he said he said something to the effect of it. it um I can't remember his exact words. Maybe it was nourished my soul or something like that. But it was, <laughs> it was like, yeah. I mean, basically saying, yeah, that's how people have to play this game at this level is that they have to, it has to be bigger than themselves. They have to be willing to sacrifice for their teammates and do all the little things so that the team doesn't suffer as much at the other end. He's been using that word a lot this year about suffering. Um, you know, what, what he typically means is that you're, you're under a lot of pressure. You're facing a lot of crosses and a lot of shots. And, and that's what he typically refers to as suffering. And I think that he's absolutely right. When the team plays like that and they make the little plays and they press as a team, as a unit, they're really, they really are tough to beat. And that's, I think, why they came up with their first shutout since June 22nd. June 22nd against San Jose was yep. the last clean sheet for this team. You can say part of it might be that Galese was out, but I'll sit there and tell you that you probably can't show me more than one goal that Mason Stadahar could have stopped. Uh, over the last, yeah, since he's been in there? Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Most of the time, if you go back and listen, when we're talking about the goals that happened inevitably, one of us says, not that Mason could have done anything about that one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and in this this game, he was called upon only a few times again, and he made the plays. And, um, yep. Chicago didn't have the quality to beat him to a place where he couldn't reach it. So uh, good for him. Good for the team. Team's uh, going well. Nine, four, and seven. They climbed back up into second place. Uh, 
that used game in hand was used wisely. They jumped back up over Nashville. And um, now they just got to get New England to start losing some dang games. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, send them the the totem from the Brady Bunch or something <laughs> like that. I mean, I can't think of anything else. <laughs> make that little flute sound <laughs> yeah uh that was an attempt attempt was made give me a, that weird looking gold star anyway yeah the the other thing too is if you would have said at the beginning of this season that um 20 games in the team will be nine four and seven but this is how many man games would be lost to injury from starters i've been like uh i'll take nine four and seven i'll take nine four and seven sitting in second in the east and um you know, with the the hope that those guys come back at the right time. You know, if you can get those guys back and make a run in the playoffs, man. Please heal Daryl DK. Yes. <laughs> Please heal Nani. <laughs> Please heal Sebas Mendez. Get healthy, guys. I think we actually probably we probably do have the little totem from Brady Bunch and, and yeah. it's in Orlando. We need to send it away. Yeah, we need to get it out of here. Um, yeah, somebody please. Uh, find these guys a hyperbaric chamber to sleep in. Um, do whatever you need to do. Take Make extra. Take, take plenty of vitamin D. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Try something. But uh, yeah, if this team could stay healthy, you know, we're looking at the last 14 games here, and the the road does get tougher. And you have, I believe, the Lions have. I'm not looking at the standings right now. I believe the Lions have two games in hand on New England, and they play New England twice. If you win those two games in hand and beat New England twice, that's almost the entire way back into this race. That's if you're 15 points back, that's 12 right there. Yeah. So it's not out of question, everybody. And one would think at some point New England has to stumble. You would have thought with Carlos Hill being out, but that hasn't happened. No. I, I don't have an explanation. I don't either. I, I, I already threw out my suggestion. <laughs> All right. So the Lions' remaining schedule looks like this. They have Miami on Friday, then Columbus at home. They go to Atlanta. Atlanta looks like they're turning things around. Uh, they got Montreal at home on, on September 15th. It looks like Montreal's turned things back around the wrong way. Uh, trip to Philadelphia, trip to New England, trip to Nashville. That is a critical three-game set, especially with the way things happen on the road in MLS. They you've got to you've got to tread water there and try to beat New England. Um DC at home at Cincinnati, home to Montreal, home to New England, home to Columbus, home to Nashville, and then at Montreal. Yeah, that three game stretch Philly, New England, Nashville is also all within 10 11 days. So I mean, it's they're uh they're packed in there a little tight uh at the end of mid to end of September. Yeah. It will be interesting to see uh, if the Lions can get healthy. They have the depth to get through that if they have everybody, but they haven't had any everybody in quite a while. And right now it seems particularly thin in the defensive midfield as Perea has been out, Sebas Mendes has been out, uh, Joey Desart left this game, this last game with uh, 15 minutes or so to go, I think. Um, he was uh, down on the ground and... and and possibly just because he's not used to playing that many minutes as he played, and then he having to play that many in back-to-back games, um, it, it was a lot, especially in those heavy, heavy weather conditions. So, um, 
we think he's okay, but I mean, he could have the dreaded lower body injury. I mean, everybody else does. Well, we assume everybody else does. Um, well, Daryl doesn't. Do Daryl with Daryl, it's his shoulder. That's why he's not in the availability report because <laughs> right. they don't know where to check. They have, they can't check the lower body box, so they don't know what to do. Well, that's because they only have one box yeah. uh, when they made it, and of course that uh, availability report is. Um, how best to describe it? It's it's esoteric, um, and on the best of days, uh, you have to. It's I think tea leaves are more exact than that player availability report. Mm-hmm. What you do is you you go get a bunch of hamsters, and you paint numbers on them, and then you shake up the box, and then you let them go, and and then like the first. 20 to cross the line those are the 20 that might be available <laughs> right. those are the 20 players the corresponding players might Correct. be available for that week's game all right uh anything else uh, you wanted to touch on with orlando city we of course will get to our key matchups and our predictions for inter miami a little later in the program i will add that um our predictions you had a 2-2 draw and i was exactly correct with a 1-0 win on this one so happy birthday to me wow you are uh, you are the master of picking low scoring games lately uh yes i yeah. am predicting and... very few goals you need to start <laughs> if you're going to be right start predicting more goals it'd be make for exciting games <laughs> well <laughs> I'll see what I can do later in the podcast. Thank you. That would be much appreciated. All right. Uh, we've still got our mailbag, of course. We've got our predictions later. We also have to talk about the Orlando Pride's trip to the Washington Spirit. We're going to get to all of that. We don't have a guest because I'm just too damn busy to find a guest. So please come right for the uh, mainland. And uh, let's get to all of that starting right after this. And we're back, Dave, and it's time to discuss the Orlando Pride and their trip to play the Washington Spirit. And this was a game that, you know, you, you think Becky Burley, what she got going on. This is a team that uh, said a lot of things after the, the Portland game about how they were coming together and they were going to do better and they were going to, they understood what, what was going on and, and what it takes and, you know, then it didn't happen in the game. It was a pretty even game with the Spirit. I think the Spirit had a little bit of the better uh, play in the first half. Um, but in the second half, it looked like Orlando was coming into the game. Orlando goes and gets a freaking golasso from Marta and takes a one nothing lead in the second half of this game. Yep. And you're like, all right, 68th minute, got a goal. We're on the road. This team's been pretty good about shutting the other team down once they get a lead since Becky Burley came in. She's an undefeated coach. This is good because even if, you know, even if you give up a goal, you still got a point on the road. That's good. Exactly. Uh, But maybe it's the same old pride. Maybe it's just a particular player. But the spirit tied the game pretty quickly off a nothing ball that was Orlando had deployed enough players to deal with, and unfortunately, it didn't matter. Because just as we said, C.J. Sapong always scores against Orlando City. Ashley Hatch always scores against the Orlando Pride. And that's especially true if you just put the ball right on her foot, four feet in front of the goal, which is what Kylie Strom did in this game. 
I, I believe Strom got the assist on that one, right? I certainly hope so. I certainly hope yeah. that Kylie Strom got an assist on this. And, and I, this was a game where it, Courtney Peterson had some uh, some struggles um, with some some maybe taking a knock. She was down uh, out of bounds on a play for a bit and and needed some medical attention. She got subbed out uh, right after the goal, and boy, did it not take long for for the spirit to find her. Uh, just a routine ball into the box. It landed right on her foot. All she had to do was uh, clear it away, but she didn't hit it well. She hit it exactly perfectly weighted pass right to Ashley Hatch, and Ashley Hatch put it in. And, and Dave, I am waiting for the Kylie Strom that Ian Fleming had described to us in the press release, and I'm not seeing that. And I'm not somebody who will jump on a player early on and go, uh, yeah, this is, this is what, what was this signing? Um, like some people were doing, Kylie Strom did not get off to a good start here. Uh, she gave up penalties. She's been getting yellow cards. Her play was not good in her first couple games. And I'm like, well, got to give her time to settle in. Got to give her time to, you know, get to know the system. You know, sometimes it takes a little bit and I'm not seeing improvement. And, and honestly, this has been a catastrophic signing for the pride in terms of what this player is doing on the field, because these are not just mistakes. These are exceedingly costly mistakes that she's making. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure she's not trying to make these mistakes. I'm sure she's not trying to put her team in a bad spot, but I have not, all I'm saying is I'm, I have yet to see what Ian Fleming saw in this player when he decided to sign her. Yeah, I agree. It's frustrating, you know, when the pride have, there's been a couple times where they haven't been defensively strong, but compared to previous seasons, the pride have been very good on defense. And then, you know, when they do give up goals, it is often due to stupid little mistakes like what Strom did. And unfortunately, Strom is having too many of those. Like you said, it's it's one thing to make a mistake, but it's another thing when that mistake is immediately a goal scoring chance for the other team. Mm-hmm. And you just can't have that. And whether she's got to play herself into it or something's not clicking, I'm not sure, but something's got to break one way or the other. Yeah, I don't know if it's confidence or, I mean, I, honestly, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if, I haven't seen enough to know if she's just not a good enough player to play in the NWSL. I don't know if, I haven't seen enough to know that, but I have seen enough, <laughs> I would say. I think it's fair to say that. I, to the point where when she went on, I thought, mm, probably not the move I make here. Probably the move I make is to go Phoebe McLernan on the left, leave Allie Riley to try to finish out the 90. I know you're not, you're trying to manage her minutes, but Sometimes you just have to go with what you have since uh, Carrie Lawrence is still out. Um, or you could move Gunny to right back if you still want to take Allie Riley out. Um, that's been a thing that, that has happened. And I like Phoebe McClurden on defense. And, you know, she's sort of been displaced since uh, Amy Turner's come on. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, now I'm not sure where Phoebe McLernan really fits in here. Is she is she now a backup? Because, I mean, that's okay, because that's pretty good depth. But at the same time, that's a player that I think can help you and arguably was the, was the best defender on the team for the first third of the season when the team was in first place. So, 
So I don't know. I would have probably not put Kylie Strom on based on past performance. And uh, maybe you can grind out that one nothing win. But instead, now it's 1-1. And then, oh, nope, now it's 2-1 late in the game because, uh, you know, just one of those things where here's a ball down the right side, uh, catch, catches somehow catches the pride with numbers forward. So everybody's scrambling back. Krieger has to come over to help Strom on that side and a quick ball to the middle where uh, now you've got Taylor Korniak playing as the number six. And this is something that Becky Burley has introduced uh, the concept of Taylor Korniak as a number six. And I will tell you that uh, a couple games into this experiment, it does not look like a very good experiment. Now this may end up working in the long run, but it is really not looking good so far. And uh, Taylor caught a little bit out of position, tries to get in front of Ashley Sanchez, completely gets uh, overruns the play. Sanchez just makes a very simple, uh, quick movement to her right back against the green, clears herself for a shot, puts an unstoppable shot into the upper 90 where Ashlyn Harris cannot reach it. And it's 2-1. And now Orlando is chasing the game late on the road and it just doesn't come off. And again, here's a chance for Kylie Strom. She's forward she's in space she's got the ball cross it in no dribble it around indecisively and lose the ball yeah it was frustrating on many levels um i I do want to mention if ashlyn harris is not able to make the save then most likely nobody's making that save because harris typically makes saves that nobody else can make so there's that yeah that's not a savable ball that was just tucked right inside the corner of the top of the goalpost. Exactly. And so Strom on the other end. So now on the other end, as you mentioned, just and it was indecisive, indecisive. So I I don't know if, like you mentioned, if it's a lack of of uh, courage or a lack of uh, confidence that's going on with her. But she needs to or Becky really needs to figure it out and get her right. Let her talk to uh, the Doc about it, you know, Ted Lasso style. I don't know, but something, something's got to change there. Yeah, I mean, with Strom, Strom having the ball out on the left, you're down a goal. Lump that thing in the box and maybe something good will happen. You do have somebody named Sidney LaRue in there yeah, who's kind of good. Maybe she can get on the end of it. Maybe somebody else can get on the end of it. Uh, no, it was not to be, and the pride... Uh, are no longer undefeated under Becky Burley, and they come home uh, with a 2-1 loss. And I think this is a partially maybe a learning experience for Becky Burley. Um, You know, it's hard to come into a professional league and dominate it. She had been doing very well. I think she made some errors in this this game in terms of some of the decisions she made, and and clearly uh, at least one of the players made a pretty critical error that allowed the home team back in the game. I'll add that I think Burley will be okay. You know, she's she's been coaching a long time. Yeah. And she's, you know, she, she'll she take it for what it's worth. Um, she'll be able to not only turn her own mental state around, but I think she'll get the pride turned around as far as their mental state. Sometimes you lose matches, and that's just how it is. It's unfortunate mm-hmm. the way that this one was lost, but, you know, there you have it. Yeah, I don't have any doubts about Becky Burley, ta- you know, leading this team the rest of the way. Um all coaches make mistakes at times, and she's still in large part 
or to, to a large degree, she's still learning her personnel and how good they are and what they're capable of doing, what they're not capable of doing. So I, I think that, you know, she's been leaning on the advice of people that had been here and, and, and somewhat you can see that in the formation and somewhat in the, in the personnel she's been using and how she's been using them. She's starting to experiment a little on her own. Like I said, Taylor Korniak moving to a number six is a new thing. Um, maybe Taylor Korniak will be able to do that, that and perform in that role. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't, when I think of Taylor Korniak, I don't think of somebody who's quick to change directions but at you know which I think you need with a number six, but at the same time she could be a great destroyer at number six. Uh, definitely a great destroyer. I mean, when you're bigger than pretty much everybody else out there, that that helps as far as that part of that role. But yes, you're right. I, I don't know that the the quickness is there for the direction changes. And you know you, when you look at her, you think more of a you know prototypical number nine, but. Uh, when you got a Sydney LaRue up there scoring goals, you got to figure out some place to get Korniak on the, on the pitch. Yeah. I will say too, I'm a little concerned about the, the discrepancy in bookings for the pride in the last couple of games. Um, given the fouls, you know, the way that the fouls have shaped out in numbers, um, Orlando has been out fouled by the opposition the last two games, but it's not even close in the number of cards. The, the, the pride are getting, are just racking up tons of yellows. And some of these are soft. I thought that the game uh, against Portland, I thought Marta and Ali Krieger both got extremely soft yellow cards. And I thought there was a soft one in this one, but it's escaping me off the top of my head uh, in the Washington game. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm seeing a, a, pretty big discrepancy there since the game where the where the the Chicago game where the uh only team that got yellow cards was Orlando and yet there was a lobbying for more cards and for harsher cards from both the referees and by the Chicago players and coaches after that game so uh, somebody at the NWSL office said oh okay let me write that down okay more cards and for the pride you know and I don't think that that's the way you run a league. I don't think you go, oh, wow, there's a there's a strong reaction here. We definitely got to overreact and go the other way. I, you know, I'm not saying that there's a, like, like, like before, I'm not saying that there is a conspiracy against Orlando. I'm just saying if there was a conspiracy against Orlando, it might look a lot like this. Yeah, it's troubling and... You know, when you were talking about, you know, somebody, the, the league taking notice and, you know, getting that message, I'm, what I was thinking is that person at the league is like, oh, yeah, no, we're, we're already aware. Uh, we, we've got this in the works. Don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been pretty bad. It, you have to go back, I think, to the rain game, I think was the last time that the opposition had more cards than the Pride. And the Pride have been... Uh, have been carded a lot in the last couple of games and to the point where there's going to be some suspensions coming uh, pretty soon. I think Amy Turner is one away from a suspension and um, uh, maybe Gunny. Marta's probably getting close as well. Uh, so anyway, I just thought I'd throw that in there because I, I went back and I looked and I went, wait, like I know that the, the game that Orlando had five yellows to one for Portland, the fouls were 14-11 in that game. Huh. Um, 
And then in the other game, the Spirit game, Washington had way more fouls than Orlando. But Washington had, uh, I don't think they had a yellow in that game, and I think I think Orlando had two or three. Uh, I'm going by memory. I did put it in my uh, Mainland Michael Twitter account uh, a couple of days ago, so I can go back and look at that. But anyway, uh, just an observation. Um, more pride news, Dave, if that is your real name. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I said that. <laughs> I don't know, I'm I'm tired. It's kind of slap happy at this point. Uh, yeah, but yeah, okay. The uh, Pride have sent Kanye Plummer on loan to AIK in the Swedish top flight. Uh, this is a good move with the depth that uh, Orlando's got at center back right now. Kanye wasn't going to get any numbers anyway, or any minutes anyway. Um, she's behind, obviously she's behind Krieger, she's behind Turner, she's behind McLernan. She seems to be behind Presley. Uh, so that's not, when you're fifth in line for minutes, it doesn't really bode well. And so she is off to Sweden to see if she can start developing as a player at the professional ranks, uh, over there. So the team can now evaluate her, get her some minutes, see if she get grows and 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 becomes uh, the player that they thought she was when they drafted her tenth overall. Uh, so uh, we'll see what happens with Kanye. It's a good move for her because she gets to play. Good move for the Pride because now you're not sitting there going, uh, "When are we going to get her on the field?" <laughs> you know. Right. So I, I think it's it's a positive for everybody. And then the other positive too is if you send her over there and she gets a lot of minutes and it turns out she's not that good then now you've you've got an easy decision when her uh her her uh option comes up exactly and we've mentioned this on several loans and how they they do typically end up working out one way or the other as you mentioned if the player doesn't develop then hey you know and you haven't really lost anything uh, you can let them move on, and then if they they do develop and they do improve, when you you get a better player back, and yeah. that's just that's you know win win. I would like a better player back, please. Yes, please. Maybe two, two or three, two three players better back. Yes. We give you one, you give us three. <laughs> Why not, Dave? Let's do our mailbag. You ready for our mailbag? I'm absolutely ready for the mailbag. Well, one of us should be, so that's good. Uh, there's two ways to ask us anything here at the Mainland Podcast, and you know them. We say them every week. One of them is to hit us up on Twitter, at the Mainland is the Twitter feed, and uh, use the hashtag AskTMLPC. The other way to do it is to hit us up on our email account, and that is themainland at gmail.com. And that is how our good friend David Victor has reached out to us this week. David Victor says, hello, Michael and Dave. Have either of you seen the new Suicide Squad? And if so, your thoughts? I have indeed seen it uh, because I have HBO Max and it's on there and I didn't even have to pay for it. So that was very nice. Nice. Uh, other than, you know, paying for HBO. Um, my thoughts. The same things that were good about the first one, in other words, Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn was also good. Of course, this was James Gunn directed, and so it's got that James Gunn feel. It's kind of like if you tried to do DC's version of Guardians of the Galaxy type thing, then that's that's what you're getting. You're getting that sensibility, although with much, much more violence in this one. There were times where my wife was covering the eyes of my stepdaughter because it was pretty, pretty bloody. 
So, mm. yeah, uh, just, you know, be aware. But it was it was definitely better than the first Suicide Squad. And I, it's one of DC's better efforts. You know, it's not maybe as good as Wonder Woman, but certainly better than some of the other stuff. Um, so I, I enjoyed it. I'd watch it again. I'm glad I didn't have to pay for it, but, um, you know, but there's there's some good stuff in there. I, too, have HBO Max, Dave, and I have not yet seen Suicide Squad because I don't have time to watch movies. It's <laughs> crazy. Uh, I barely have time to watch Ted Lasso, and that's only half an hour. Yeah, but that one you make time for. Cause, also, you know. I, I, I have to spend a half an hour a week on What If, so... And that's your entire hour's worth of free time. That's, yeah, it's probably, that's not even my free time. That's just time that I'm neglecting someone or something. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even mow the lawn this weekend. Yeah. Uh, uh, so it's getting pretty high. Uh, that's all we have in the mailbox, I believe, Dave. Uh, we did get an email from our good friend Ryan Smith, who asked um, about uh, writing for the mainland. Said, uh huh? Since you called me out at least three times on the show, I think it's time I contribute a piece or two or more. Where do I start? I'm feeling like Roy Kent walking back into the stadium for the first time since leaving the game as a player. Uh, let's do this. So I have uh, responded to Ryan and, uh, and told him what his next steps were. And now I await eagerly uh, Ryan to uh, to get back to me. Uh, it's been three days, Ryan. Yeah, I feel like you're leaving me out in the wind. <laughs> uh, don't do that to Michael. He feels bad enough. Don't toy with my emotions, Ryan. Yes. Well, speaking of Ryan and Roy Kent, um, we do have a a Twitter question from him where he says, uh, Roy Kent, Roy Kent, what former Orlando City player would you like to see make the move into the first team coaching staff in Orlando? Roy Kent, Roy Kent. Um. I don't really think there's anyone that, though I guess the only one that I would I kind of would be intrigued by is Kaká. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I don't know that anybody necessarily that's been here has, has anybody that has, has been here gone on to co- coach? I think, well, Luke Bowden has done a little bit of coaching. Obviously, Seb Hines has done some coaching, but he's still doing that coaching with the pride. Um, right. But there hasn't really been like a lot of, uh, guys who have left and gone on and, and like look like they were going to become uh, coaches. Uh, but I think um, Kaká intrigues me a bit because I think he's he's just got a, a real um, charisma to him that I think people respond to. So I think he would be uh, well-suited for it. I don't know about the X's and O's part of his. It's the thing it is about superstars is that a lot of them, the game comes so naturally for them that they have a hard time explaining how to do things to other people people um some people are good at it Zidane seems to have a pretty good knack for it um but uh, others you know have have struggled I could see maybe a uh, Jonathan Spector he seems like a coaching kind of guy I know okay. he's probably not doing that but I, I could see Spector maybe doing that yeah yeah maybe so it's a good so. question thank you for the question Yes. All right. And we're going to keep the uh, dichotomy thing going on here because David Victor was not done with just the email. He decided that um, he wanted to get on the Twitter action this week as well. So he um, retweeted this uh, 
tweet Costa Rica, Mexico, and Panama are currently on the UK red list. The ruling only applies to this window, but US men's national team is scheduled to play Panama on October 10th. If the English Premier League maintains this stance for October window, availability of, of Pulisic, Stefan, and Sargent could be affected. His questions is thoughts on how this could affect the US men's national team? Well, it could keep them from having Pulisic, Stefan, <laughs> and, uh, and Sargent. Um, which I think of those three, obviously Pulisic is the biggest loss. Uh, the, the, the U.S. has proven that they have guys that can step in when, when uh, Zach Steffen is not able to play. Um, I'm perfectly comfortable with Matt Turner taking a, taking a turn or you know somebody else. Brad Guzan's done it before. Um, Sargent not being there would probably open the door for Daryl DK to get back in the, in the, in the, the roster. Um, and, and Sargent hasn't been great the last few international games he's played, although he was great today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. Last I saw, he had a brace. I don't know if he got his hat trick, but... Nice. Well, uh, what I'll say is this is exactly what Burhalter was trying to do in building up this men's U.S. men's national team is having tons of guys with depth that had playing time so that if things like this happen, the team will be okay. He will be able to, you know, field a good squad. And yes, it would stink to have those three guys not available. But as you mentioned, there's, there are right now plenty of other guys available, and some of them um, have the possibility of being just as good. Pulisic maybe being the exception to that, but you know, even then, um, you know, there's there are a lot. This is the deepest we've had in recent memory for me. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, they won't be available if they're not available. They're not available, but I don't know how much it affects the the men's national team going forward because of the depth. Yeah, we've been hearing stories about the the EPLs not wanting to let people go for the the World Cup qualifiers, and that's that is absolutely against FIFA's uh, regulations. So I don't know how that's mm-hmm. going to play out, um, and that is for this window. So we'll see how that goes because the the U.S. has a lot of guys that were questionable anyway. I mean, we don't know DK's availability. Jossie Zardes is out. Um, Pulisic has tested positive for COVID. So will he be back? I mean, I'm not sure. Uh, Tim Ream is out and Paul Ariola got hurt. So there's been some guys banged up and it's good to have this depth. And it's good to know that this is a team or this is a a national team that has managed with its a and its B minus teams to beat Mexico's a team. So feeling pretty okay. You know, you're going to get CONCACAF on the road, but you know, yeah. I think this is a team that should qualify. I agree. I agree. I'm I'm pretty happy about the state of the U.S. men's national team right now. Thank you for the question, David Victor. I'm a little little uh, hurt that you cheated on uh, the person who checks the email uh, for the <laughs> with the person who checks the twitters, but uh, <laughs> it's all right. It's fine. Uh, anything else in the Twitter box? Uh, that is it for this week. Okay. Thank you for the questions, folks. If you want to get those questions in for next week, you can always do that. We'll give you an answer. Might not be the answer you need or you want, but you will get an answer. Even like the answer I gave about not having seen Suicide Squad. That was an answer. (laughs) That's correct. And the answer is no. Um, but yeah, you can do it two ways. Hit us up on email at themainland at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter at themainland.com. Uh, with the hashtag AskTMLPC. And in all cases, the mainland starts with the word the, and as M-A-N-E, like 
a lion's mane and not M-A-I-N. So uh, make sure you're spelling that right to get your get your stuff in. Uh, Dave, we do know that uh, the All-Star Game is taking place uh, at the day that this podcast drops. Uh, the Skills Challenge is taking place the night that you and I are recording this. Uh, Pedro Galese was removed from the Skills Competition roster. Uh, the goalkeepers will now be Matt Turner and Andre Blake in that. Nani is still on the Skills Challenge roster, so uh, there apparently whatever's wrong with him is not going to keep him from the Skills Competition. I don't know if he'll play in the actual game tomorrow night, but um, either way, coming back from the West Coast on Thursday, it's a tall ask to have him on the field Friday for Inter-Miami. Yeah, it really is, unfortunately. But, you know, if he's if he's still dealing with a knock anyway, have him go out there, have him represent the team. If he wasn't likely to make the uh, – get on, you know, any minutes against Miami, okay, let him rest. Uh, I don't know that that's the case, but given the circumstances, I'm going to go with that because uh, it's my birthday and I want to feel positive about things. Yeah, hopefully Bob Bradley will let him take the opening kick and then sub him off. That's right. <laughs> let him let him kick the kick off the game to start the game, and then uh, have his teammate kick it out of bounds, and then you know sub through the yeah. through the sub signal, and and it'll be the you know Nani <laughs> substituted at nine seconds. That'd be fine right. with me. The, the quickest substitution in MLS All Star Game yeah. history, and it would be hilarious. If he like took a long time to come off the field and he was like clapping at all four corners of the stadium, you know, maybe uh, uh, well, he's not captain. I was going to say if he like took a long time to take the armband off, put on someone else, but he's he's not the uh, captain for this one. That is uh, that is rolled on Christian rolled on from Seattle, um, yeah. who was one of the arbitrary people that were up for the vote. And uh, Nani was not involved in the vote because apparently Don Garber didn't want Nani to win it. <laughs> Yeah, so just don't even put him in the uh, yeah. as a possibility. It's the same reason that the really great save that Ashlyn Harris made is not up for save of the week because they got sick of her winning, so they just don't have her up for the save of the week. Which is really weird because it's called the Ashlyn Harris save of the week, so I'm not sure why they didn't let her be in that. Kind of weird. I know. What is going on there? That's crazy. All right, so we've got to pick our key matchups and our – Make our predictions for Inter, Fort Lauderdale, CF, ML, ML, I don't know. I don't even know what they are. What are they? What even are they? Um, but anyway, it's Tropic Thunder, Friday night, Tropic Thunder. Down under. It is uh, time to get the Tropic Thunder uh, rivalry heated up again. As the Lions welcome their public's enemies to Exploria Stadium for an 8.30 kickoff. What are you guys doing to me? You know there's going to be a 45 to to an hour and a half uh, uh, lightning delay, and I'm not going to get mm-hmm. home till 2 in the morning. And what are you doing? Why, why is this an 8.30 game, Dave? Um, reasons. Okay. That explains it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so we will have to make our, our uh, key matchups and our predictions. So what is your key matchup in this game. Alrighty. Um, well, we kind of mentioned earlier with all the injuries and, and things going on. So for me, it's who is in the defensive midfield? How well do they play in blunting Miami's attack and also being able to transition the ball forward? So the defensive midfield play is going to be the key factor for me. 
I feel pretty good because it's at home and they haven't uh, lost and they're coming off of a win and I'm going to do what I promised earlier in the podcast and I'm going to predict a 2-1 win with the Lions scoring two goals. That would be something. Uh, This is a Lions team, Dave, that has not scored more than one goal in any of its last uh, five games in all competitions. And Um, I feel that's my fault based on what we talked about earlier. So, so yeah, one against the Fire, one against Nashville, none against Santos, one against Cincinnati, one against Miami. And uh, you have to go all the way back to July 30th for the last multi-goal game, a 3-2 burn burner uh, win over Atlanta United. And Mm -hmm. um, I think, for me, the key matchup is that Miami's been playing very good defense, and uh, it's going to be up to Orlando City's attacking line to find a way through. They had trouble finding a way through on August 4th when these teams met. They got their only goal on a set piece, and Mama said, knock you out, Antonio Carlos, and he got knocked out. And uh, that sucked, but at least he scored a goal before he got knocked out. Uh, and uh, so I, I see that happening again. I see a 1-1 draw, but I see that that's going to be the key for me. Is This is a team, Dave, that just doesn't have any depth at striker with, with DK trying to come back. And, and Pato, God only knows where he is in his recovery. Um if he's recovering, is he alive? I think we've seen him at the stadium. We've seen him on camera, so that's good. But <laughs> we haven't seen him on the field. Matthias Ayas is on loan. Derek Dodson is scoring goals in USL Championship. He's scoring a lot of goals in USL Championship. But uh, yeah, I guess that's uh, that's fine for now. They don't want to call him up and have him scoring goals for Orlando City. It's been it's been a, a struggle goal scoring, and I don't think you're going to have Nani and really Benji it was nice to see Benji score a goal maybe he can get on a run but we really or this team really needs to get Chris Mueller going really so badly and he's shown some flashes the last couple games some flashes of the old Chris Mueller uh Vandervat has got to stop hitting the post uh you know um but this is a team that is struggling to put the ball in the net and at some point they're going to go off I don't know what game that's going to be, but like, kind of like they did against San Jose. At some point, they're going to put a five spot up on somebody, and the law of averages are going to catch up, and these balls are going to go in. I just don't think it's this weekend. I'm going to say 1-1 draw, but the key matchup for me is the Orlando attack against that back line. I think one good thing is that with the injuries to the All-Stars, uh, Rodolfo Pizarro had to go out to California and uh, and fill in for one of the injured players. I think Chicharito maybe. Um, I'm not sure who replaced who, but he's actually in the the uh, challenge the skills uh, challenge roster tonight as well. So he'll have two nights of work and then have to fly back across the country like Nani. So that's a good, good. thing at least. And uh, we'll see how it all plays out on Friday. Of course, we'll come back. We'll talk about it and we'll dissect the game. We'll talk about the Orlando Pride. They've got a, a game. At Gotham on Sunday at 5 o'clock. Gotham is going to be coached for the last time by their uh, coach, Freya Coom, who has uh, mm-hmm. been, ho- she's been, she's been uh, snatched out of Gotham by the evil Angel City. Uh, you know, it's like, it's like Batman's uh, 
Batman's new that, nemesis. <laughs> those do sound like comic book names. Yeah. You got Angel City stealing from Gotham. I don't think Batman's going to stand for that. Yeah, once she's gone, I don't know that he'll be able to do anything about it. He doesn't tend to leave Gotham. That's true. That's true. Although uh, in, uh, in Justice League, he did. Yes, yes. But, I mean, which... And he does in the comics all the time, but, you know. <laughs> so we've just uh, dispelled our own theory. We've just yes, uh, completely negated yeah, all of everything. Everything that we said. All right, so we'll talk about the uh, trip to Gotham for the Pride and see if they can bounce back. That is actually, Sunday is Chris Mueller's birthday, so maybe he'll get it revved up this weekend. That's right. Come on, Cash. We need you. We really don't know. Is is this all because of the Hibs thing? What's going on? And maybe the Hibs trying to get him over there early. Is that, is this kind of affecting him? Is it getting in his head? He's kind of been this way all season. He's kind of he had a four game stretch where he was he was pretty solid. He was the old cash for four games. He had a goal contribution in four straight games, but it's been uh, slim pickings for him. But this team needs him to pick it up. He's one of those guys that can change games and can make everyone else on the field better when his when his game is raised to that level. Seems that he's got a case of the hips. Yeah, we don't say that. Don't don't ever say that. <laughs> we have to get a sports psychologist in here and get rid of that. That's, that's right. Oh man! And then you know what else we got, Dave? Next week we'll come back and we'll talk next week about those games. But we're going to have a Columbus game to look forward to. We're going to have. Uh, U.S. men's national team qualifiers to talk about. Um, you got El Salvador. You got Canada. You got Honduras. Uh, the Pride will Never be asked. hosting Houston. It's it's a summer of soccer. I like to call it. Yeah, and I I enjoy the summer of soccer. As you know, I usually say more soccer is better. Um, it does make for a a very tired and and sometimes grumpy Michael, but that's okay. That's all all you have to do to fix that, dear listeners, is come right for the mainland. Yes. Please please come right for the mainland and and take my take my podcast, please. (laughs) 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 All right. Uh, you can find Dave online on the Twitters at at Mainland Dave. You can find me at Mainland Michael and you can find the mainland Twitter at the mainland, as we mentioned previously on this program. You can uh, like us on Facebook. You can uh, read our stuff at mainland.com. And one of the things you can do, it, it would be a cool thing, is you could go to iTunes and you could leave us a rating, a star rating. And if no, that star I... rating happens to be a five star and you write a review, well, then what happens, Dave? Well, then we read it on the air and you make Dave a very happy person. Now, I do remember last week I'm mentioning that, hey, guys, we're recording this on my birthday, and my hope was that somebody would step up and give me a birthday present of a five-star review that we can read on the air. So the only question left is, who was the person that got me the birthday gift? All Come right. on, people. The birthday gift for Dave is a five-star review that came in on Wednesday, the day that our last one dropped. Nice. From Coachmanzo03. And uh, the headline is Dale Mi Amor. Nice. Uh, five stars. I started listening to this podcast at the beginning of this season. 
This podcast gives me all the information I need to keep up with all things soccer-related in the city. Beautiful. Hey, I, I like the sound of that. I think I might use that on the podcast. Yeah, that's catchy. Yeah. Michael and David do an awesome job with the news from the club and analyzing the game. Wednesday drives during work are the best. You can always ask them anything you want by using the hashtag AskTMLPC. And they always answer your questions on the podcast. I'm glad to call you guys my car friends, even though we've never met. But enjoy you guys while driving around the city beautiful. Keep up the great work. And vamos Orlando. You guys know me from my Twitter, at CoachmanZo03. Yes, he asked a question a couple weeks ago. I I went back and looked. So, uh, well done, Coach. Much appreciated. Thank you for making my birthday a good one. Yeah. Big, big props to you for making Dave's birthday a special one. That was a very, very nice and thoughtful and very thorough uh, five-star review. So, we, uh, we appreciate that. Who's next? That's right. Michael's birthday's coming up, but you don't have to wait. That's right. You don't have to wait a couple weeks. You can get it in early. Uh, or, you know, 2XL is my size. When you go on the Ted Lasso uh, uh, merchandise site and, uh, you know, just uh, just uh, email me and I'll, I'll give you my address so you can send me that, uh, that AFC Richmond jersey. Nice. Also, Rush has beer. Oh. Yes, the band Rush has uh, is putting out their own beer, and so is Styx. Huh. Although with Styx, you have to actually have a, uh, you have to have a Tavor uh, app um, uh-huh. membership. But you can do one of those memberships where you just don't buy anything and wait for the wait for them to give you the notification and then you can go, yeah, I'll take that sticks, uh, renegade. I, I think it's an IPA. What so, about the rush beer? The rush beer. I'm not sure. Cause then you gotta, you gotta worry about like, you know, national boundaries. So I'm not sure how to get it here. Uh, I need to do a little more digging. And does that mean that we're going to get a strange brew too? Oh, that would be cool. But would be I very cool. don't know. I really need to start doing that, getting buying up the Rush and the Sticks and the ACDC beers. I did have an Iron Maiden beer, but I didn't keep the bottle. I should probably have kept the bottle. Probably need to start doing that with these rock bands. Yeah, that'd be a good idea for you know somebody that has a podcast uh, that's not this podcast where he talks about music. Yeah, it's not this podcast. I do sometimes no. talk about music on this podcast. R.I.P. Charlie Watts, by the way. Yes. Um yeah, it was a tough day today, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's I'm a beer guy, and those are really cool souvenirs. So maybe I should start uh, picking those up when I get the chance. Buddy at works asked me if he if I wanted to go meet him Saturday morning to get a, I think it was a bottle of whiskey from Metallica that was autographed. Like they had they were giving away like a hundred bottles of autographed whiskey from Metallica. I guess maybe Kirk Hammett uh, autographed them or something, but. I didn't go, and it turned out he didn't either because he forgot. Well, that stinks because <laughs> that would have been cool. It would have been a pretty cool thing to have, but yeah. So I, 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 I couldn't go, and, and he forgot. So I guess it wasn't that important to him. <laughs> I guess not. All right, that's it. We've babbled long enough. Thank you for listening. Thank you, those of you who have uh, asked us anything tonight. Uh, thank you, big time, uh, Coachman Zo 3 for the excellent five-star rating on itunes mm-hmm. and uh, we'll be back to do this all again next week so that we'll put a bow 
on episode, would I say 260 at the beginning of this podcast? You did say 260, and you were correct. Then it must be 260, because I would never make mistakes. Yeah, of course. Oh, sure. man, you'd let me, yeah, okay. That was not very enthusiastic. And... <laughs> All right. <laughs> we'll be back next week. Thank you. And uh, the only thing left for us to do is to muster up just the last reserves of our energy to say what we always say at the end. Go City. Go Pride.